All right, welcome everybody to another Genesis podcast. Now, I wanted to say right off, right from the beginning here, we record these about once a week. So as the week goes on, I'm studying, I'm preparing, I'm digging into the scripture uh, about this to give a presentation, but I have never thought about the introduction. <laughs> Uh, I, I always come in, I just kind of stumble across my words, I throw something out there, and as as you can probably tell uh, from all of my introductions no. before, <laughs> but this time is no different. I have no idea what I'm going to say. This is Scott. <laughs> and this is Brad. And this is not about us. All right, so I uh, have no idea where I'm going still, so why don't we start off with something that's actually good and can actually accomplish something. Brad, why don't you start us off in prayer, please? Yahweh, first of all, let me, uh, let me thank you for laughter. <laughs> the, Scott's opening, <laughs> it got me, it made me laugh, and what a wonderful wonderful feeling and what a wonderful way to start because as we've talked about before scripture doesn't have to be serious it can be passion and emotions and excitement and laughter and love and joy genesis is a prime example of all of that there is laughter there is humor There is an awesomeness, an awe, a wonder, a childlike wonder. Because we were like babies, experiencing you and the creation for the first time. God, will you be here right now with us and help guide us to the truth that you would have us share with our listeners? Oh, yes, God. As always, anything that we say that may not be correct or right... Let it die a quick death, and let only the truth, and maybe some laughter and passion and excitement, let that come, because that's who you are. We give you glory, honor, praise, and we thank you for being here with us today. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. And I want to say, as I get into this, uh, we're still in Genesis, I believe this is the 12th podcast. Is that right? On Genesis? Yep, that's right. All right. So this was another really cool one for me because uh, I've said this before. uh, About two years ago, I started in uh, to a personal Bible study. I was going through, starting from Genesis and and going through and just kind of with each verse, with each section, just kind of pouring out my thoughts and what jumped out at me and how it touched my heart. And this next section here, again, I I was going over my old notes. I had about one line, one small sentence each for these next few verses. And so I thought, I'm not going to get much out of this. And as I'm going into it this time, it just kept exploding. New things kept coming out, which was just a really cool experience for me. So I'm hoping you guys have that experience too as we go on here. So... We ended last time with Genesis 2, 21 through 22. And Yahweh Elohim caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the place with flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which Yahweh Elohim had taken from the man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. So... Eve, as she will be known, right now just the female side of Adam, it has been created. So we move on to Genesis 2, 23. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Now, there's a really cool thing here that's going on that I never 
caught before growing up because I wasn't looking into the Hebraic roots or any of that kind of thing. But first of all, before I get into that, I have to set a few, uh, not ground rules, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, I have to set the stage. Let's, let's do that. Man. There's a few different words in Hebrew that can all mean man. We've already gone over one of them, Adam. Adam means man. Uh, there's another, Enosh. Uh, it means mortal, and hence, because of that, mean, also means man. But the word used here, where it says, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man, is the word ish. And it is Strong's Concordance, number 376, Ish. Now, Enosh is Strong's Concordance, number 582. And I mention it here, it is not in use yet, but it might be connected. This is why I want to mention it. Ish is either a contraction of 582, Enosh, or... It has possibly been taken from an unused root, meaning to be extant. And for those of you who don't know what extant means, it means to still be existing or to not be destroyed. So there is some confusion over where Ish comes from. And now I'm going to skip ahead real quick. I'm going to get back to man, but woman, the word for woman is Strong's Concordance number 802, Isha, and it, the definition is, it is either the feminine of Ish or Enosh. So they're not sure about that one either. So these words are kind of connected, and that's why I wanted to, to set that up right here real quick. But now let me get back to Ish. Strong's Concordance number 376, Ish, which is the word used here because she was taken out of man. It means man, either as an individual person, uh, or it can mean mankind, humanity. It can mean male, uh, can also be the pronoun he, or husband, if you think about the male side of the relationship. But this word can also mean great. It can mean mighty man. It can mean of high degree. It can mean worthy. And I was fascinated by this because in Genesis 2, 23 and 24 are the very first times this word is used. Every time before this, it uses Adam to mean man. And, and after Genesis 2.24, it goes on. It goes back to Adam for a while. And Adam, for those of you who don't remember, it means man, but it also means of a low degree, a common sort. And as we mentioned in a previous podcast, it can mean hypocrite. So this, in these two verses, are the first time ish is used to mean man, and the connotation here is, this is a great man. This is a mighty man. This is a man of high degree who is worthy. And I, I wondered why. Why the, the change here? Why, why did we switch from Adam to Ish? I'm going to get into that a little bit, it, primarily in Genesis 2.24. We're going to come back to this. But right now, I wanted to kind of introduce that concept that that ish is a different type of, of usage of the word man. Now that and Adam and Enosh can all be translated man correctly into English. They all do mean that, but there's a slightly different meaning to each one of them that you just don't catch in English. Because in, in fact, in this Genesis 2.23, and the man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So Brad, you're reading that uh, in the English version years ago, today, whatever. You're thinking the man said she shall be taken out of man. Sounds pretty obvious what it means, right? It's talking about the man. Right. Adam, whoever he is. Uh, it's, it's just, it, you're thinking like I was, 
it's the same word, right? Yeah, exactly. There would right. be no reason to think otherwise at this point. Yeah. So I'm thinking, why? What's different? If they're both translated the same way, what is actually different here? Now, first of all, uh, I want to say ish is used six times from Genesis 1 through, through Genesis 18. In Genesis 1 through 18. From Genesis 19 on, ish is used exclusively for the rest of the book of Genesis. And in fact, it's not until we get to Exodus 8 that we get back to the usage of Adam. And even then, ish is used mostly for the rest of the Old Testament. We kind of go, we focus on Adam early on. We have this little bit right here, ish, and then and then ish gets used towards the end of the book as it goes on. That's something to consider too, but I'm going to kind of leave that on the back burner. Well, let's come back to this. Ish, the word picture. Aleph, Yod, and Sheen. Now, the, the picture I came up with, and I thought, and again, okay, this is, this is difficult because I'm coming up with little pieces. I'm going to connect them all at the end. So this, to me, I came up with the gentle arm destroys. What does that have to do with anything? All right, let me move on. <laughs> the picture for woman, which again, the, the definition for woman was pretty much just woman. That was pretty much it. Uh, there was a little more to it, but but what I but I want to get to is the word picture, and that is the gentle destroyer is revealed, and so I want to connect those two, man and woman, Ish and Isha, and you know what? No, I'm not going to connect those yet. I'm going to move on. There's a Max Lucado quote: "God loves you just the way you are." but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. What we have here, and we've seen it before, we've talked about it in Genesis, is Adam, the singular being, was the entirety of the Godhead. God takes the feminine side within Adam and he separates it to create the feminine side of Adam. We have the male side of Adam. We have the feminine side of Adam. We have the Ish and we have the Isha. And what do we have? On the male side, the gentle arm destroys. On the female side, the Holy Spirit side of Adam, the gentle destroyer is revealed. And what I saw was that God destroys the sin, the destruction. He loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. God is not death and destruction and raining fiery uh, abuse on, on innocent people. He is love and passion and desiring nothing but good for you. Because he desires nothing but good from you, he wants you perfected, which means you're not perfect now, which means there is error, there is sin, there are problems that he wants corrected. He wants to destroy the deception, the sin, the evil that is attacking you, but he is gentle. He is not seeking to destroy you. He's seeking to destroy it. The gentle arm destroys. And in the woman, we have the physical manifestation, the picture of spiritual truth of the Holy Spirit. The gentle destroyer is revealed. In woman, we see the gentle arm, the nurturing mother, the 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 caring woman, the feminine side that says, uh, I'm going to protect you, I'm going to raise you, and I'm going to raise you right. We're not going to let that happen. We're going we're gonna to push you towards righteousness. I'm going to feed you, clothe you, protect you, and I'm not going to let you get in trouble. Because that's love. Yes. Love doesn't let you go down a path without uh down a path of 
wrong, of destruction, of death. It's not going to let you go down that path without doing whatever it can to stop that from happening. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned it before that that's that's the gospel message. We've got to get it out there. Yes. We can't have people going down the wrong path. And the reason that we're doing that is because we love them. Yes. Jesus, when he came, he said, um, I came to offend. Uh, he was not hiding it. He came basically to say, look, I am the truth. And you are in disagreement with the truth, so I'm going to tell you where you're wrong. Why? Because I love you, and I want you to come back to truth. Jesus knew if he said, ah, you're okay, go ahead, do whatever you want, you would die. And because he loved you so much, he said, I'm not willing to let that happen. So Which what, is uh, oh, father's love. Yes. You know, you see your child about ready to do something that you know is going to hurt them, and they don't understand even if it means you have to slap their hand from touching fire or whatever it might be, you might have to shock them or scare them or, or do whatever. But the reason you're doing it is because you love them and you don't want to see them hurt. Exactly. And this is what is being seen here in man and woman, just as God, the Holy Spirit, indwells you and shapes you. She seeks to change you which means she's correcting error. This means removing. This means destroying the sinful barriers that separate you from God. This is done with the gentle touch of a lover, not the abusive hand of a torturer reveling in the pain he's causing. Now, I also find it very interesting here that man, not God, Adam not Yahweh, is the first person to speak about woman. God did not step in and say, this is woman. She's yours whether you like it or not. He didn't force the issue. God presents her. Man is the first one that makes the recorded comments about her. So that stood out to me because it's the same that we've been saying uh, God is love. He's not a rapist. This is not a forced issue. It's a desired one. God presents a woman to man, but it's man who makes the initial statement about her. I just appreciated that. Uh, man was the one that said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. He took her in, recognized how wonderful it was, and accepted her. God didn't say, you know, Look, this is bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh. You're taking her. No, man was the one that said, I want her. <laughs> well, at this point, there's trust there. Adam trusts that mm-hmm. God is doing this for his good. So now, a couple other things. Bone. Strong's Concordance number 6106. And it means a bone. Literally, the bone, uh, bones of your body, but it, it's... It means bone as in strong. So figuratively, this means substance and strength. Uh, by extension, it also means the body in general. Flesh, Strong's Concordance 1320. Oh, I'm sorry. I never pronounced it. Bone is pronounced etsum. Flesh is pronounced bossar. Now, flesh, bossar means flesh. And similarly, by extension, the body or a person. But it also means it refers to a person's nakedness or skin, which is understandable, flesh. It's, uh, it's you as a nude individual. The word picture I got from bone led me right back to the Holy Spirit and the strength of man and the, the interpretation I came up with was a massive, righteous fountain. And I just pictured the Holy Spirit as torrents of living water just bursting through. And in flesh, the interpretation I came up with was the body of the Most High destroyed. And getting, I, I also, I'll mention this one, Uh, Because it goes back to Jesus telling his disciples, uh, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no place. 
the word flesh, there's a word picture says, consume the body of Yeshua. So, in these word pictures, I want to go back and I want to talk about God again in two pieces now. God in Adam, and he separates the male side from the female side. And we saw male and female. We saw man and woman, Ish and Isha. The gentle arm destroys, the gentle destroyer revealed. And they're two pieces, but they're one. And I want to see here, we have woman taken out of man. On one side, we have strength. And on one side, we have nakedness. And I saw nakedness in this instance as purity. Now, we're going to go on and talk about nakedness, but a lot of us, we hear naked and we think shame and embarrassment and, and things of that nature, which is absolutely true because we're flawed. We're imperfect. We're in sin. But nakedness at its, at its most simple, at its most basic, is simply the complete revealing of who you are. And God and Adam were naked with each other. In other words, there was a complete openness with each one, and there was no shame, because there didn't need to be shame. There was no sin. And God is perfect. There's no flaw. And in Adam, he had created a perfect being where there was no flaw. So the nakedness was wonderful. So here we have strength, and nakedness, a complete openness to each other. And again, we have these separated. Two wanting to become wanting to come back together. The, we have the, the simple purity uh, of the nakedness, wanting to come back to the strength, the stronghold uh, that is also God. And in this verse, I saw this. This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. I saw in two different ways the two being split up. And I thought that was cool in and of itself. However, again, it's, I'm moving on. It, it's connected with Genesis 2.24. So I'm just kind of throwing out those little pieces, but I'm going to wrap it all up in a bit here. He likes to tease us. <laughs> that in and of itself, I think, is pretty cool. But there's more to it. Before I move on, though, any anything jump out at you, Brad, that you want to throw out there? I don't want to move on if you're like, oh, wait, wait, I had a thought here. Or should I just keep going? Nothing major. Just conclusions that we've probably come to before. But now that the masculine and the feminine has been separated, mm-hmm. um, this is I, I think this is a physical picture when they come together when they're joined together they're becoming one again so you know here we are now you're talking about the strength uh, and then you're about the uh, uh, being pure so when they come together in the marriage relationship that we Mm -hmm. that we uh, that we know is right they are bringing that strength and purity, and that's truly God. Yes. That is, a, that is a physical picture that we can see uh, and we can experience God in that way, which I'm saying sex, <laughs> you know, but, yeah. but when it's done properly, when it's done right mm-hmm. in the marriage situation, that's God, and that's yes. the way he wanted it. Mm-hmm. That in and of itself is a picture that we were intended to see. That physical picture uh, is not a horrible thing. It was a wonderful thing created by God, given to Adam and Eve, and given to all of us. It has, like everything else, been perverted, been corrupted by sin, and we have problems when we take it out of what God intended for it to be. But yes, uh, that's exactly it. 
the nakedness right here. Guys, I'm speaking to you. Women, I honestly don't know if you have the same feeling, but on that marriage night, when when you're together alone and you're, you're consummating the marriage, that nakedness is a wonderful thing. And I'm not going to a vile, disgusting place by saying that. It is a wonderful thing. It is intended for us to see men. It's intended for us to be a physical example of a spiritual truth. This is God, the strength, the male side of this relationship, viewing us and, and wanting us to be that perfect, shameless bride. He's wanting to make us naked without shame. We are to be holy before him. And he, he wants that from us. He wants that, wow, this is my beautiful, stunning bride. That's exactly what he's going for. Women, on the other hand, I'm, I can't say I've experienced what you experience. I can't say I have your mentality. I, I'm not there. I can only go by what you tell me, but what, by what I read about. I can't experience it for myself. But the woman is connecting with the strength of man. Uh, and I believe I've talked about it before, but we know from uh, scientific study and such, man is primarily, as in the male, m- males are primarily attracted by sight. You look at a woman, you go, wow. Women, you're primarily attracted by emotions, by what can you do for me? This is why you see a lot of relationships where the man doesn't look you know, as good as, as the hot woman because the, the, the man goes, wow, she's beautiful. The woman goes, hey, he's, he's rich, he's wealthy, he's humorous, he's caring, he's tender. He uh, is who, what I need. In a, in a mate, in a partner. This was designed by God to be this way. Uh, this is not a bad thing to understand because God is playing the part of the man. He's looking at us and he's going, wow, I love you. You're what I want. You're amazing. We should rejoice at that. We don't have to earn him, his love. We, on the other hand, are playing the part of the woman. When we look at God, we're going, uh, okay, this could be, but what can you do for me? Right. Prove your love to me. Prove you're going to protect me. Prove you're going to care for me. Prove you're going to make me laugh. We are demanding from God something that he is not demanding from us. And that is wonderful because if it were the other way around, we had to earn our place. Nobody no. could. No way. So, thank you, God. What a beautiful blessing. But now I'm going to take all of those thoughts right here. We just got, in a couple different ways, man and woman separated. And it's, and it's the Godhead split. It's, and this is all a picture. Uh, going back to man separating from himself, creating man. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Not man separating. This is all a picture going back to God taking a piece of himself, making mankind. This all, when we see the marriage relationship, when you see man and wife, we are also to see God and humanity. We're playing a role. It's a physical example of spiritual truth. Don't care if you're sick of me saying that. I'm always going to say it. (laughs) But now, in Genesis 2.24, this was very special for me. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Flesh here is the same as before, basar. Wife here shall cleave unto his wife is the same as woman from the previous verse, isha. I want to go into a couple other words here. Father is Strong's Concordance number one. It is literally, alphabetically, 
the very first word and I, I haven't researched it fully I to see if it is literally the very first word in the Hebrew language. It's the first word in Strong's Concordance, but I don't know if that includes every single word in the Hebrew language. So if it's not, I'm sorry, but for right now I'm treating it as the first word in the Hebrew language, and it is ab. Now, for those of you who might have heard, abba is, can be colloquially translated daddy. So this is ab, and it means father in a literal and immediate sense, or in a figurative and remote application. So this means father, your biological father, but it can also mean uh, like father time or father Christmas, just kind of figuratively the, the father of something. I'm, I'm the father of this idea, that kind of thing. Now, mother is Strong's Concordance number 517. It's pronounced aim. And it means mother as the bond of the family in a wide sense, both literally and figuratively. And I thought it was interesting here. It also can mean the word damn. And that's not damnation, D-A-M-N. It's damn, D-A-M. A wall holding back water. I thought that was fascinating in and of itself, that that's what this can mean. That mother is holding back water. Uh, But let me go on. The word picture for father. Aleph and Bet. The leader of the house. And I thought that was just a wonderful, clear picture of what's going on here. Especially since in the previous studies you've mentioned that he made our house for us. Yes. You know, so he is the leader of the house that he made for us. Mm-hmm. And in the word picture of woman, or I'm sorry, mother, aim, aleph mem, we have leader of the water, which I thought was very fascinating. And so these two I saw as very clear representations of Father God and the Holy Spirit. The one who guides us, the one who gives us the water of the word, the one who teaches us in truth and wisdom and knowledge and infills us and indwells us with rivers of life in our very soul. The one who puts that dam up and says, the water isn't going anywhere, I'm holding it right here. And so this, I saw in Father and and mother, these word pictures, I saw Father God, Yahweh, and the Holy Spirit. This is all important. Uh, I'm coming all, I'm going to come back to Genesis 2.23 also. Now the word picture, uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Let me, let me go, not the word picture, I'm skipping ahead. Let me go to cleave, leave and cleave. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. Leave is Strong's Concordance number 5800 and it's pronounced Azab. At least I hope it's pronounced that way. And it means to loosen. In other words, relinquish or permit. And cleave is Strong's Concordance number 1692, Dawback, to impinge. In other words, to cling or adhere, abide, follow close, be joined, to catch by pursuit. And that in and of itself, I loved that word, to catch by pursuit. God is pursuing us. He's wooing, he's chasing, he's loving, he is going after us. He's not just sitting back and saying, you do it. No, you figure it out. I'm done. I'm tired. You want to come to me? Come to me. But, but I'm here, but I'm not doing anything more. No, he is chasing. God, the whole book, the whole Bible is the story of God's chase for us. He, is, he wants to catch us by pursuit. Now, the word pictures here. Leave. Ayin, Zion, Bet experience 
the cutting off from the household. And cleave, dalet, bet, kof. The way into the house is opened by becoming the least. And I got to tell you, this made me cry. When it just hit me. I'm going to go back. Ish. Ish is used twice here for man. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Ish. Therefore shall a man, Ish, leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. The word for Ish means worthy means great and mighty man. This is not talking about Adam. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus shall leave his father and his mother. This is prophecy right here, and I never saw it. A man, Jesus, shall leave the Holy Spirit. He shall leave Father God. He shall cut himself off from his divinity. He shall cleave unto his wife unto his beloved unto the woman unto us mankind and they shall be one flesh he shall open the way into the house by becoming the least he cut himself off from his own household to open the way into the house for us this was just such a beautiful, wonderful picture here that I never saw until now. This was just amazing to me. And it's and I think the thing that's so wonderful about it is it's right here. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. It's so eloquently and simply Put, it is accurate to what is happening, but we miss the huge picture of it all. Everything that's being stated and we limit it to just its physical state. And we just think, okay, yeah, all right, when I get old enough, I'm going to leave the house, I'm going to go get married, and uh, going to go off with my wife, do my own thing. Thanks, mom and dad, but I'm gone, I'm done. Okay, I guess that's what Genesis is telling me. We don't see the, the intense beauty of this all. Adam is used up to this point. Genesis 2, 23 and 24 use ish. Adam, the first man, a low degree, common sort, hypocrite. Genesis 2 and 23 are prophetic to Yeshua, the mighty man who is worthy. Jesus, the worthy lamb that was slain. The word that spoke creation into being, including breathing the breath of life into man by creating a living soul. This is the one this is talking about. This is a picture of God's desire for us as well. Even though he is our father and mother as our creator, he wants us to grow as to be more than just children. He wants us to grow. He wants us to grow into a relationship of true unity and intimacy. I don't want to ignore that fact that this this applies to even more. But this is this is also a picture of Jesus leaving his place in heaven with Yahweh the Father, Ruach HaKodesh the Mother. He was divine. He cut himself off from that divine household and became the least in order to find his way into our house. Scott. <laughs> wow. I never, never would have made that connection. How beautiful. And it just shows even more what that means. We've said it. I've said it myself a hundred times. He had to come down here and be low. He had to give up his divinity. He had to, we just made a joke about it in the last one, or in my Revelation study, number five, about how he had to be do human things. Mm-hmm. Yes. But this, this is making it even more of a big deal. 
I mean, I had to, I had to get my mind on the idea that he was perfect God and had to come down to be imperfect like us. He was still perfect, but you know what I mean. He had to come down to be, he needed food, he needed substance, he needed to do bodily functions, he needed to do all of these things. And that concept really boggled my mind. But now, he had to leave his father and his mother, and he did it for us. I know he did this for us, but he did this for us, and he clinged to us. Yeah. He clings to us. To, to uh, uh, let me go back to that, uh, uh, to catch by pursuit. He chased us to catch us. And, and yes, to cling, to adhere. Wow. I I don't I'm fumbling now. This is a new thought, new new things coming into my head. So right now all I can say is bless you Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I, I mean think about that. He he left his father. The God of the universe his father. Mm-hmm. Because he loved us. And you said it before, you kind of, you're like, he, he became imperfect. No, wait, he was perfect. You were exactly right on both. Jesus was always perfect in that he was sinless. He was always morally, spiritually perfect, but he made himself imperfect in the sense that he cast off his divinity. He was trapped inside of time now. He was no longer, he no longer had access by willing design, he no longer had access to all of his divinity. He had to eat. He had to sleep. He had to poop. He had to do all of these things, which he didn't have to do before as God. And so he made himself imperfect in that sense. So yes, it's not incorrect to say that Jesus was imperfect in the idea that he willingly cut himself off from his divinity to be one of us. And I guess what I'm loving about this is he cling to us, but he also didn't lose faith or belief in his father. Yes. He still, he, he, he encouraged us to give honor to his father. Mm-hmm. It was all part of the plan. He knew going in. He had faith in the plan before he came to earth. He had faith in God and belief in God while he was here. He gave honor to his father and his mother. I yes. ne- I've never... I know, th- I know these things. I yes. know these things. But he gave honor to his father and his mother. He mm-hmm. truly did not sin. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sorry, these are just popping my, my... You've done it to me again, Scott. <laughs> you've blown my mind. They're just coming to me now. I will stop rambling. <laughs> no, this is good. This is very good. Because I think it's how a lot of people feel. They're just, what? What? I? Oh, my. Wow. I. How do I express? What? Oh, boy. And that's a good feeling for us to be in. It's just, just the overwhelming awe of when we're seeing... His glory revealed, and another veil comes off. Because we limit it. We, we get one idea, and we just stop there. Mm-hmm. But if you just keep running with it, just keep running with it, wow, the revelation that you get from it. Huh. Now, this is kind of anticlimactic, but I want to end with Genesis 2.25 because it, it wraps up this picture. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, the man is back to Adam in this sense, but we've already talked about it being naked, but I do want to connect it back to flesh of my flesh, meaning nakedness. Because there's no sin, they're not simply physically naked, but they're spiritually naked. All was evident to God and creation. The statement and were not ashamed, is not one that should be taken as revealing Adam and Eve's childlike ignorance. 
it should be taken to mean there was no reason for them to be ashamed. Nakedness reveals who you are to everyone else. When there is sin or there is flaw, nakedness reveals that. When there is no sin and only perfection is revealed, there's no shame in nakedness. Naked is Strong's Concordance, number 6174, uh, and it means, uh, it's pronounced, sorry, arom. Now, there's two different ways of spelling it uh, in the Hebrew, ayin resh mem or ayin resh vav mem, but they're both pronounced the same, arom, and it just literally means nude, either partially or totally. But one of the possible interpretations I came up with here, actually a couple, the appearance of Almighty God, that's naked, think about that, naked, the appearance of Almighty God. If you think about that, God is always perfect. God is naked to us. He desires to be naked, and that's not a filthy thing. It's what it means is God is perfect, and he wants us to fully experience his perfection. He wants to be totally revealed to us. Another thing that I brought out of this, kind of going back to the Holy Spirit as well, is experience the water of Yeshua. And when you add vav to it, those are both ayin resh mem. When you add vav to it, you can say it's experience the joining together with Almighty God. Or you can say experience the joining together with the water of Yeshua. This is naked. Guys, we're to be naked before God. We're to be sinless and perfect and holy and no reason for us to be ashamed in his presence. That's what he wants from us. That's what he's trying to do. Again, I, I go back to this, uh, this, this quote from Max Lucado. God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. The physical revealing spiritual. This is not just the man and his wife, Adam and Eve. It's God and his wife. Very good, Scott. Very good. I cannot believe what we can find. Well, not though we didn't find it. It's amazing to me what can be revealed to us. Well, we found it. It was there. <laughs> It is the glory of a king to hide, or glory of God to hide a thing. The glory of kings to reveal it. It's it's that, and that's the that's the thing. And we're gonna say it. We've said it before. We'll say it again. We hope you guys are doing this too. Yes. This is not because we're so special and awesome. We're not. <laughs> no, we're just a couple of guys going. We want you, God. Show us yourself. Every one of you can do this, and we hope you are. And we hope you're finding intimate holy truth these are all here this isn't something we're inventing we're digging up the gems that god has hidden in his word guys if there's one thing i hope you find i hope you get out of all this is that this is meant for you too go for it dig search you can find him in a much deeper more intimate way the same way we are you mentioned uh, before you blew my mind. I, you had already blown my mind. I just didn't say anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, you mentioned that uh, God is trying to woo us. We're, we're the ones, hey, what can you do for us? He's mm -hmm. trying to woo us. Okay, so some people might argue, how is he doing that? I um, My reason my mind got blown when you talked about that is recently I had... Uh, that moment where I was naked in front of God and I was ashamed. I was feeling the weight of sin. I was feeling the weight of being a hypocrite. I was feeling all of this guilt and, uh, you know, just so many strong emotions, upset about my grandma being uh, dead, all sorts of things. And it all came crashing down. And you can, uh, I go into greater detail about it in our conversation on July 31st, uh, 2020. But God wooed me. He showed me something in the sky, a crack, a crack in the sky with 
the rainbow prism effect coming through. He was wooing me. He was telling me, I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. Now, is he wooing me? Yes, he is. The reason that I know that is because I am in a relationship with God. So if you want God to woo you too, it has to start there. You you need to chase. Mm-hmm. You need to let him know. Hey, I tell him I'm testing you. I want to know what you got for me. Yeah. But chase after that relationship. And you might find that he's wooing you too. It's so difficult for a lot of us to recognize that he's wooing us because of our life situation. But he is. He's, I, I, I remember a friend telling me a long time ago he was depressed and bitter and angry with the way his life had become. And he said, God's given up on me a long time ago. And I said, no. no. God's never given up on you. You've given up on God. Yep. There's a difference. Sometimes in our arrogance, we don't want to admit we're the problem, but God is constantly wooing us all. You say, how can that be? My life is so pathetic and horrible. Yeah, because sin exists in the world, and it's tugging at your heart the same way uh, as, as God is trying to, and it seems to be more tangible most of the time. Usually, the problem is ours. And if the problem isn't ours, the problem is someone else around us who has allowed sin into their life that is seeping into our lives. But the problem is always the same, and that is a rejection of God and, and not allowing him to woo us properly, not recognizing his loving hand reaching out to us. I've, I guess that's a good spot for me to end. Brad, you want to... End with something else? I'll just say it again. Bless you, Jesus, and thank you for leaving your mother, your father, and clinging to us. Thank you for loving us, because we don't deserve it. So, thank you. All right, so once again, let me wrap this up by saying, as always, I am Scott. And I am Brad. And this has been Not About Us.